Hi, everybody. I've moved out of my creaky chair, and I'm ready to record this week's episode. First off the bat, I'd like to celebrate with you the fact that the podcast has now attained 25,000 downloads. Now, this is really small potatoes in the land of podcasting, and I know that, but I am just a failed opera singer trying to share what I love with the world. And I don't know, for somebody with my demographic, I don't think that's so bad. I'm continuing to look for new ways to reach my audience, but I am so grateful for all of you who have been with me from the beginning, as well as those who have recently joined my listenership. Believe me, you have my undying gratitude. And while we're on the subject of my listenership, I'd like to also acknowledge my two newest supporters on Patreon, Elaine and Michael. Thank you very much for your support. I'm looking forward to keeping you and all of my listeners engaged and entertained. For those of you who also want to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody where you can make either a monthly or a yearly contribution. Earlier this week, I posted a bonus episode, which was called The Peleas Quiz, 10 different performances of The Fountain Scene, Act 2, Scene 1 of Peleas et Mélisande, all jumbled up and presented as a quiz. On a more serious note, I do want to acknowledge that this month is the 11th anniversary of my father's death from Parkinson's. In fact, exactly a week from today will be the 11th anniversary of his death. I mention it because the subject of today's episode, the great French coloratura, Madi Mesplay, also suffered from Parkinson's in the last years of her life. And this month, we acknowledge the second anniversary of her death at the age of 89. I can tell you from my own personal experience, it's a horrible, horrible disease. And Miss Blay, who suffered from this disease for at least 15 years, was an avid spokesperson for the French Parkinson's organization, helping to raise consciousness, awareness, and money in support of the eradication of this disease. So let that always be in the background as we listen to today's episode. Welcome to Counter Melody the podcast on great singers and great singing. As always, I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. No preaching here, no lecturing, well, maybe just a tiny bit of each, but the primary spotlight will always be on the singers that enrich and enhance our lives, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for joining me. And now, this week's episode. 
is the Medi Mesple that most of us know and remember. Some of us even love her. Not everyone, I don't think. I mean, she has a very distinctive and characteristic sound. Some have called it shrill, some have called it acidy. I feel sorry for those who feel that way because I don't know why, but I have had an irrational love for this singer from the very first time that I heard her. And today will be a celebration of the many facets of this glorious artist. I want to present one more example of her coloratura supremacy. What we just heard was the end of Je suis Titania from Ambroise Thomas Mignon. This is the concluding section of Ophélie's Mad Scene from Thomas Hamlet. Both of these recordings were made in 1968.
Desplay was born on the 7th of March 1931 in Toulouse into a working class family. Music was very much part of this family. Her parents had met, in fact, as members of a choral organization. As a child, Mehdi received early training at the conservatory for piano, and eventually it became clear that her vocal talent surpassed even that of her pianistic abilities. So she moved to Paris, where she studied under Janine Michaud, whom we heard last week in the Pelias et Mélisande episode. In 1953, she made her debut in Liège, singing the title role of Lacmé. She was only 21 years old. She went on to sing that role at the Monet in Brussels in 54 and the Opéra Comique in 1956. And in fact, her 1970 recording of L'Acme is still considered the benchmark. Now, we're not going to get into the imperialist politics of this opera right now. In fact, I'm not even going to play anything from L'Acme because I think most of you know it. Suffice it to say that this was her calling card role. But she also became celebrated in other roles. Her other French roles included Olympia in Comte Hoffman, Leila in Les Pêcheurs de Perles, as we've just heard, Philine in Mignon, and Ophélie in Hamlet, Marie in La Fille du Régiment, and many others. Last week, you'll remember, we heard her in one of her early assumptions, Ignold in Peleas et Mélisande. Her other roles included Queen of the Night, which she sang all over the world, although I'm not as big a fan of that because I prefer a more substantial and threatening voice. Also Zerbinetta, in which she really, truly excelled, as we will hear later in the episode, and also in the Italian repertoire. She was quite celebrated as Lucia. Again, not my favorite Lucia, but she sang it a lot. Amina in La Sonnambula, Norina in Don Pasquale, roles like that. She chose her parts wisely and never overextended herself vocally. Plus that, she really had a superb technique which allowed her to spin long, long phrases and her upper extension never failed to thrill. One thing that I want to make perfectly clear here, and which is obvious, I think, is that she was an absolutely crackerjack musician, and also, quite clearly, a woman who had a wonderful sense of humor. And I'm going to present you an example from 1964, that shows both of those characteristics in full bloom. That is a recording with the pianist and composer Michel Legrand of an arrangement of Fritz Kreisler's perennial chestnut, Schön Rosmarine, done as a coloratura scat jazz number. <laughs> Did it, 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 did it,
was a striking person. She had a slightly lupine appearance, but very, very beautiful. And this made her a favorite on French television, for sure. But she did not content herself with simply being a media phenomenon. In the 1960s and 70s in particular, she began branching out into quite adventurous contemporary repertoire. Many new works were written for her. We'll hear one of those in a little bit. She appeared in the premiere of Giancarlo Menotti's opera The Last Savage at the Opéra de Paris. It was originally done in French as Le Dernier Sauvage. Again, we are not going to discuss the imperialist politics of a work like this, but suffice it to say that she had a big success in the role. She also appeared in the French premiere of Hans Werner Hentz's opera Elegy for Young Lovers, and she also had a big concert repertoire of challenging 20th century work. As an example of this, I'm going to play for you her live 1970 performance of Arnold Schoenberg's wild and wonderful piece, Herzgewächse, that was set to a text of, of all people, Maurice Maeterlinck, that was translated into German. This performance is led by Gilbert Ami, and it took place in Paris on the 7th of December 1970. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Another very important aspect of Miss Blay's career was her dedication to operetta, and French operetta in particular. This is not a genre that is all that well known to us in this day and age. Of course, we know Jacques Offenbach. Everyone knows Jacques Offenbach. But who remembers Robert Planquette, Charles Lecoq, Edmond Audran, Hervé, as he was known, or the composer of this example that we are about to hear, Louis Ganne? His most celebrated and successful work is called Les Sautinbanques, The Acrobats. It debuted at the very end of the 19th century in December 1899. And this is a delectable little strophic song sung by the soprano lead Suzanne. This recording is from 1968 and is one of a large number of French operettas that Miss Blay recorded. Here is La Bergère Collinette. I also want to acknowledge a very important aspect of Miss Blay's career that even fans of hers are not necessarily so aware of, and that was her dedication to the Melodie, French art song. And I'm going to present a number of recorded examples of that for you. Before the Melodie reached its pinnacle, in the work of Forêt, Debussy, Ravel, and Poulenc, it developed from the parlor song, the romance, 
music that would have been performed at Soiree Musicale. A wonderful example of this is the song by Charles Gounod called Oh Ma Belle Rebelle. This is a song that I myself used to sing with great delight. It's one of those songs that, in its musical language, evokes the medieval, the Renaissance, the madrigalesque, in general, the antique. It's actually composed to a text by Antoine de Baif, who lived from 1532 to 1589. And the poem is a wonderful example of amatory badinage, if you will. You mistreat me so, you refuse to grant me a kiss, and yet I will gain my revenge on you by making you fall in love with me, and then you will see what an error you committed by not allowing me to kiss you in the first place. The marvelous French pianist Janine Reis accompanies Miss Play in this 1975 recording. From that same release from 1975, I bring you the song by Gabriel Fauré, Aurore, Dawn, set to a poem by Armand Silvestre. The stars fly away from the gardens of night like golden bees drawn towards invisible honey. 
and far-off dawn, spreading her candid veils, weaves silver threads into the sky's blue cloak. From the garden of my heart, intoxicated by a slow dream, my desires fly away, following in morning's footsteps, like a troubled swarm called towards the brazen horizon by a mournful, eternal, and distant chant. They fly around your feet like stars driven from heaven, exiled from the golden sky where your beauty blooms, and, seeking to find unknown roads that might lead to you, they mingle their dying gleams with the newborn day. The next selection is called Apparition, and it is one of a cache of early songs composed by Claude Debussy for Madame Vanier, with whom he was probably carrying on an affair. She had a high, light soprano, like Miss Blay, and since Debussy's death, a large group of such songs has emerged, of which this one, set to a text by Stéphane Mallarmé, is, I submit to you, the most substantial and memorable of all of this Vanier collection. It was also one of the first 
to be published following Debussy's death, one of a group of four entitled Quatre Chansons de Jeunesse, Four Youthful Songs. And this recording is from a complete edition of Debussy's Mélodie that was released in the late 1970s, I believe, with the estimable Dalton Baldwin accompanying all of the singers. From the very earliest days of her career, Maddie Mesplé was deeply involved in the music of Francis Poulenc. 
She appeared as Sir Constance in Les Dialogues de Carmelite in 1957, and at the end of her performing career, she appeared quite memorably in the monodrama La Dame de Monte Carlo. But more on that later. Right now, we're concerned with a 1986 release of Poulenc Melodie, in which she was accompanied by the pianist Gabriel Tacchino. By this point, she had already retired from her stage career the year before and was now dedicated to concertizing, recording, and teaching. Miss Blay is not what one would refer to as an interventionist interpreter. She presents the songs with enormous clarity and dignity and refinement and lets those unadorned and unblemished characterizations carry their own power. This works exceedingly well in Poulenc, for instance. Let me play for you the fourth of the fiancailles pour rire cycle, which Poulenc set to texts by Louise de Villemorin. This is Mon cadavre est doux comme un gant. My corpse is as limp as a glove limp as a kid glove, and my two hidden pupils make two white pebbles of my eyes. Two white pebbles in my face, two mutes in the silence, still shadowed by a secret and heavy with the burden of things seen. My fingers, so often straying, are joined in a saintly pose, resting on the hollow of my groans at the center of my arrested heart. And my two feet are the mountains, the last two hills I saw at the moment when I lost the race that the years win. I still resemble myself. Children, bear away the memory quickly. Go, go, my life is done. My corpse is as limp as a glove.
I had mentioned Miss Blay's dedication to contemporary music. An example of this is a cycle of songs set to poems of Sappho that Miss Blay commissioned from the French composer Charles Chaine, who also is remembered today for a number of memorable compositions that were dedicated to another French coloratura soprano of the period, Christiane Etapierre, and which were heard on my episode devoted to her. I've been unable to find an exact date for the composition of these songs, but I believe they are from the mid-1960s and represent an early work of Charles Chaine. In 1971, Médimès Blé made a magnificent recording of these songs, as well as other avant-garde repertoire that she had commissioned and championed. These poems are set for string trio and coloratura soprano, and I'm going to offer you the third of them.
the opposite end of the song repertoire, we encounter Miss Blay as also a celebrated interpreter of the music of Eric Satie. This is the song Daffinio. It's a very, very funny song that relies for its humor on the distinction between the word noisetier, nut tree, and oisetier, which is a word that doesn't really exist, but which is produced by the liaison and noisetier. A oisetier, according to this song, is a tree that produces weeping birds. This is a dialogue between two children, or maybe just childlike creatures, Crisaline and Daffinio. The marvelous Ado Ciccolini accompanies Madi Mesplay in this 1974 recording, which reveals her marvelous sense of humor. Now, just for some vocal contrast, I have a number of duets. First is the delicious Rossini duetto buffo di due gatti, the so-called cat duet, in which Miss Blay is joined by her colleague and friend, the French mezzo-soprano Jeanne Berbier. Once again, the accompanist is Jeanine Reis, and I have to say that these are the most French kitty cats I think I've ever heard in this duet, and it just makes me smile from ear to ear. The recording's from 1972.
Further tribute to her dedication to French operetta, I now have Medi Misble in two operetta duets. First by Offenbach, then by Messager. The first from 1979, opposite the Belgian bass baritone Michel Trampon. This is from Offenbach's Orphée aux Enfers, Orpheus in the Underworld, in which Jupiter appears to Eurydice as a fly in order to gain access to her more intimate parts. I don't even know how to put this. It's quite obscene, actually, as Jupiter, dressed as a giant fly, buzzes around Eurydice as she becomes increasingly enchanted with this delicious insect. Michel Plasson is the conductor of the Orchestre du Capitole de Toulouse, the orchestra based in Miss Play's hometown. Charmante, ma charmante, ma charmante, je viens de 
André Messager, the composer and conductor, was one of the most successful composers of French operetta. Among his most famous contributions is Véronique from 1898. Those of you who listened to my Peleas episodes will remember that he also conducted the world premiere of that opera, and the lead baritone in Véronique was the baritone Martin Jean Perrier, who was also the first Peleas. Florestan, the baritone, sings the delightful Duo de l'âne, the donkey duet, opposite the soprano Agathe. And in this 1969 recording, we hear Mesplay opposite the French baritone Michel Danse. And the orchestra of the Concert L'Amoureux is conducted by Jean-Claude Artemann, who led many of these operetta recordings. Je voudrais à huis clos interroger 
Norina in Don Pasquale was one of Madimes Play's roles in Italian. I just found out yesterday when I was preparing the set list that Georges Bizet wrote a knockoff of Don Pasquale called Don Procopio that was set in Italian and that is basically the same story. I noticed this because I was listening to this gorgeous duet, Per me beato a pieno, and thinking, good heavens, this sounds just like Tornami a dir from the third act of Don Pasquale. And in doing a little research, I realized that it is, in fact, the same situation and it occurs at the same point in the action. In this recording, we have Maddy Mesplay singing opposite Alain Vanzo, whom I have featured in a number of recent episodes. This live recording took place in 1975. This is a positively delectable moment, and I'm so happy to present it to you. I think these voices go very well together indeed. have a brief excerpt from Verdi's Rigoletto. Gilda was one of the Italian roles that Miss Blay sang. Gilda was, in fact, the role in which Miss Blay made her single 
appearances at the Metropolitan Opera in 1973, I think the cavernous acoustic of that venue was not at all congenial to her. But you can hear in this 1963 recording of the final duet from Rigoletto, sung in French, that nevertheless she was capable of finding a good deal of pathos in the part, and in a smaller house I'm sure she would have been a very effective Gilda. Please remember that a few months ago I presented Very Grist singing an excerpt from Gilda. I personally prefer a voice of more scope and depth for this part, but it's not absolutely necessary. And if a light coloratura has the right technique, they certainly can make a mark in this part. Witness singers as diverse as Roberta Peters, Lina Pagliugi, and Rita Streich. Miss Blay's partner here is Gabrielle Baquier, who will be the subject of next week's episode. Like Miss Blay, he was also born in the south of France, and they performed many, many times together and were esteemed colleagues and friends. This recording is from 1963. Oh, 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 oh,
Mesplay was seen as the inheritor of the French coloratura mantle. I mentioned that she studied with Janine Michaud. She also was seen as the successor to Madame Robin, although in my opinion she was a much more technically adept and skilled singer than Robin. Another singer who had a similar range to hers is that delectable interpreter of French operetta Yvonne Printemps. I have here a performance from this hybrid work called Les Trois Valses, which was composed by Oskar Strauss, originally in German, Drei Walzer, but was made into a very famous film starring Yvonne Printemps in 1938. The three-act operetta presents three different love stories from three different epochs. In the first act, Oskar Strauss adapts music by Johann Strauss Sr. In the second act, from which this song comes, he adapts the music of Johann Strauss, the son. And the third act, which takes place in the 1920s, is set to original music by Oskar Strauss. There's something about this tune from the second act, Je t'aime quand même, I love you anyway. I hear this song and it just brings tears to my eyes. I found this recording on YouTube. It is an appearance by Mehdi Mesplay on French television in 1999. And I believe what it represents is her lip-syncing to a 1981 recording of this aria that she made. I find it so incredibly touching because by this point she was already suffering from Parkinson's. She looks exquisite and I have to say she does an extremely good job of lip-syncing. And the sight of her quote-unquote, performing this song as a few stray players of stringed instruments and a pianist mime playing in the background as she holds a microphone that she's not really using. I don't know, there's something about it that just moves me so deeply.
There's so much more material that I could present to you today that in fact I am putting together a bonus episode that represents some of Miss Blay's most extraordinary performances. As a teaser, here are very short clips of three longer works that will be presented complete on that episode. First is just a little cadenza from her performance of Zerbinetta. This is a live recording from Geneva in 1969. She was one of the few French coloraturas who performed this role with as much aplomb and success as did the German coloraturas. One of the most extraordinary pieces of early 20th century music is Eric Satie's cantata called Socrat, which presents three different episodes from the life of Socrates, as told by Plato in texts translated into French. Satie intended this music to be performed in as expressionless a way as possible. But the simplicity of the music sits in such striking contrast with the profundity of these texts. We can now see this piece almost as a precursor to minimalism. In 1972, Madi Mesplé participated in a complete recording of Socrate, with Pierre Dervaux leading the Orchestre de Paris. She sings the third part, which depicts the death of Socrates. The perfection of her technique, her ability to effortlessly string out endless phrases, the simplicity of her delivery, the profound freshness of her voice, makes for such a moving experience. Again, on the bonus episode, I present almost the entire final movement for you. Here is just a very short excerpt in which Socrates directly addresses his disciple Phaedo, who is narrating the story of Socrates' death by, shall we say, imposed suicide.
1990, Mehdi Mesplé gave one of her final performances at the Théâtre des Champs-Élysées in a tribute to her colleague Régine Crespin, with whom she had sung Ariadne and recorded a number of Offenbach operettas. For her tribute to Crespin, Mehdi Mesplé chose the final work composed by Francis Poulenc, La Dame de Monte Carlo, set to a poetic text by Jean Cocteau. It's a seven-minute monologue which describes une femme d'un certain âge, a woman of a certain age, who has run out of protectors, who's run out of money, who has run out of luck, and who is going to go drown herself. In the early years of her career, Miss Blay appears not to have been very much of an actor at all. But by the time she gave this performance, she had developed into an actor of incredible precision and power and simplicity. She understands every single nuance of this character and presents it in such a way that it positively takes your breath away with economy of gesture, with precision of textual delivery, with great compassion and humanity, and also at the same time with enormous elan and supreme elegance. She so clearly presents this woman at the very end of her rope. I will put a link to that performance on the show notes page. Make sure you check it out. Right now I'm going to present to you just the final section of her studio recording of that dramatic scene in which Georges Prêtre leads the Orchestre Philharmonique de Monte Carlo, the Monte Carlo Philharmonic Orchestra. These are the final lines. I am a shadow of myself, always the same nightdress, drenched with anguish. Others may run away. I'm not that stupid. Tonight, I'm going to throw myself headfirst into the sea at Monte Carlo. On a beau répéter, je veux, dès que la chance vous déteste, dès que votre cœur est nerveux, vous ne pouvez plus faire un geste. Découvert, j'en priverai les tables vertes. 
In 2011, Maddy Mesplet was inducted into the French Légion d'Honneur. At the time of her death, on May 30th, 2020, she had already been officially diagnosed with Parkinson's for 25 years. Although, according to her autobiography, she recognized retroactively that there had been many telltale signs much earlier on for so many different reasons. I consider her an exceptional artist and human being. I believe that Maddy Mesplé's final official recording is of Melodie of Reynaldo Anne, which was recorded and released in 1989. One of the most beautiful moments on that recording, of which there are so, so many, is the song Fumé, which is one of the song cycle called Les Feuilles Blessées, Wounded Leaves, set to texts by Jean Moreas. This is the song Fumé, Smoke. As was so often the case, the late Dalton Baldwin accompanies her in this recording. Companion of air, lazy smoke, you and I have much in common. You live for an instant, my life is consumed, but we both come out of the fire. Man, to exist, collects ashes on his knees without worrying about sinking any lower. Let us disappear. Peu. 
my friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. Mm-hmm.